Welcome to the Leaders Speak podcast, a podcast of Smith, Gambrell, and Russell. I am Angela Roberts, and I am joined today by my colleague and friend, Kelly Myers. Hello, Kelly. Hi, Angela. Thanks so much for having me here today. Of course. Thank you for joining me. Kelly and I are both partners in the firm's Employee Benefits and Executive Compensation Practice Group. Today, Kelly and I are going to discuss the Supreme Court's historic decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, and specifically the impact of that decision on a company's employee benefit programs. The decision Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization raises a number of considerations for our employer clients. Today, Kelly and I are going to focus on how this decision impacts employer-sponsored medical coverage in particular. So, Kelly, we know that many employer medical plans currently do provide at least some form of coverage for abortion services and medications. I want to start by asking you what has been the number one question on the minds of our employer clients, and that is, does the Dobbs decision mean that employers can no longer offer this coverage to their employees? Well, it depends. Whether an employer-sponsored medical plan can offer coverage for abortion services depends on whether the plan is fully insured or self-insured. Fully insured plans are subject to state insurance law in the state where the policy is issued, which may require or restrict abortion. So for example, some states require abortion services to be covered under the insurance policy, while other states will prohibit coverage. So Kelly, it sounds then like an employer with a fully insured medical plan really may not have so much flexibility in terms of whether their plan is going to be covering abortion services. What about an employer that offers a self-insured medical plan? Sure. So self-insured medical plans, unlike fully insured medical plans, are not subject to state insurance laws. So as a result, self-insured medical plans have flexibility with respect to whether to cover or restrict coverage for abortion services. However, any coverage that is offered does still need to be limited to abortion services and medications that are provided in accordance with state law. The reason for this is that under both ERISA and the Internal Revenue Code, a self-insured medical plan is permitted to provide coverage for medical care, but for both of these purposes, an abortion is considered medical care only if it's performed in a state where the service is legal. So for an employer that might have employees all over the country, does that mean that the plan is going to have different coverage rules depending on where the employee lives? It, it actually doesn't. Coverage will depend on where the service is performed rather than where the employee resides. So a plan can provide coverage uniformly. But for example, an employee who resides in Texas could receive coverage under the plan for abortion services received in California, but they wouldn't be able to receive those services in Texas. Okay, so it sounds like an employer that sponsored a self-funded medical plan still has flexibility even after the Dobbs decision to decide whether and the scope of abortion services and medications that are or are not going to be covered by its medical plan. But even with this flexibility, the plan still can't cover abortion services or medications provided in states where that is not legal. Right. That is exactly right. 
You know, something else that's worth mentioning is that the plan design flexibility that's afforded to self-insured medical plans, it applies to both major medical coverage and also to account-based plans, such as flexible spending accounts or a health reimbursement account. Oh, so that's an interesting point. So an employer could actually use a healthcare FSA or another account-based plan to help their employees pay for abortion coverage. That's right. So an employer that's offering a fully insured group health plan that does not provide abortion coverage or even a self-insured plan that maybe limits abortion coverage, they could still allow employees to utilize their healthcare flexible spending account or health reimbursement account to receive reimbursement of expenses related to an abortion as long as the service is performed in a state where the procedure is legal. Okay, so so healthcare FSAs and other account-based plans are one sort of plan design considerations for employers to consider. What are some of the other coverage options that you've been talking about with clients? Sure, so this is a question that, that we've gotten a lot recently. And I've been telling clients that really the first place where we wanna start is to review our current plan coverage and get a handle on what the plan currently offers. So we wanna look at both our medical benefit program to determine what coverage is available for abortion services, and then also look at the prescription drug program to determine what coverage is available for abortion medications, if any. And then once clients have a handle on that, they've been deciding uh, if they want to make changes to the coverage. So some things that have been considered is expanding medical plan coverage to include elective abortion. So for example, if coverage is limited to uh, services only when it's medically necessary to save the life of the mother. Clients have also been considering expanding network access for abortion services. So this would be relevant, for example, if somebody is traveling from a state that prohibits abortions into a state that allows it, and if they went to see that out-of-state provider, they may be considered out-of-network under the terms of the plan. So some plans have been talking about, okay, maybe we'll have an exception where if you have to travel out-of-state to receive services, that provider will be treated as in-network and the participant would be subject to in-network cost-sharing under the plan. And then something that clients have been talking a lot about is adding or expanding travel benefits for employees who need to travel out of state to receive medical services. So let's talk more about the travel benefits because we know that that's the benefit that's been making headlines. So we've seen a number of large companies announce very publicly that they will be offering these types of travel benefits to employees who need to travel out of state to receive an abortion. If an employer wants to consider offering this type of benefit to their employees, how do they go about doing that? Sure. Okay, so there are two options for providing this benefit. The first is to provide travel benefits as part of the medical plan to your medical plan participants. The second is to provide travel benefits as a standalone program. For example, some employers may provide a four or $5,000 taxable stipend for employees who must travel to another state to receive abortion services. And this could be re provided regardless of whether the employee is enrolled in the employer's underlying medical plan. The simplest approach would be to provide the travel benefits under the medical benefit program. 
if benefits are provided outside of the medical plan, the program would need to be very carefully designed. And there are some additional tax and compliance considerations to take into account. Additionally, if the standalone benefit program does not meet the requirements of a group health plan, the program may not receive the benefit of ERISA preemption. So, Kelly, I'm glad you mentioned ERISA preemption because that's another topic that's been making headlines, at least in our world of employee benefits. There's been a lot of discussion about the risk an employer might have under state law if they offer this type of travel benefit to their employees and some open questions about how ERISA preemption may or may not come into play here. So Kelly, what sort of risk analysis does an employer need to do if they wanna consider adding this type of travel benefit? Right, so employers that are uh, considering adding or expanding this type of travel benefit do want to consider state civil and criminal liability and discuss this with your legal counsel. To give you an example, put it into context, in Texas, private citizens can bring a private civil action against any person who aids in an individual's receipt of an abortion that's not permitted under Texas law. So this could include the doctor performing the service, the driver for the patient, or even a family member who assists in paying for the procedure. So in theory, you can make an argument that an employer who for an employee to travel to receive an abortion could be aiding and abetting in a way these laws don't permit. Yes, that's what the concern is. So whether this type of plan design creates exposure for the plan and or the employer will really depend on state law and the extent to which ERISA preemption applies. This topic, though, it's expected to be the subject of litigation and debate. It's not fully developed. As it develops, you can look forward to learning more about ERISA preemption in this context in future podcasts that we'll have. So that's great. So Kelly, this is a lot of information for our employer clients to consider. What are your recommended takeaways in terms of next steps for them? Yeah, so I think the next immediate step is really to be prepared for employee questions about what the plan currently offers. Your internal HR and benefits team are likely going to be fielding a lot of questions. So it would be worthwhile to prepare your internal team so that they have accurate information and are able to respond to questions. You also may want to work with your third-party service providers because they'll likely get questions as well to make sure that uh, everyone's on the same page and providing consistent answers. And then to the extent that the company plans to make changes going forward, I think that it's important to determine your risk tolerance and conduct a cost risk analysis with respect to any benefits that you intend to offer or expand. If you do intend to expand your coverage, you wanna run any expansions past your stop loss carrier. And then lastly, you'll want to work with your plan vendors and your legal counsel in order to implement the changes. Great. This is really helpful advice, Kelly. I know a lot of our clients are already fielding these questions from their employees and talking about these issues internally. Thank you so much for your insight, Kelly. And thank you all so much for joining Kelly and me today. 
If you'd like to discuss any of these issues in more detail, you can feel free to contact Kelly or me. Our contact information will be in the show notes. You can also, of course, feel free to reach out to your regular firm contact, and they will be sure to point you in the right direction. 